guys, Jill Cargman is here. She's not only an actress and author, but also the writer, creator, and star of Bravo's first scripted comedy called Odd Mom Out. Hi, Jill. How are you? Hi, Lexi. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited. Um, so you're born and raised in New York City. Yes. I'm such, I'm like such a lame pain in the ass because I don't thrive really anywhere else and I don't know how to drive. I'm a total pedestrian. <laughs> Um, but I do love traveling. I'm just at the mercy of my husband behind the wheel because um, I feel marooned. I get sort of suburban panic disorder because I feel like someone has to drive me to a coffee place when I wake up. So, But you also don't have to ever be the DD then, which is kind of a win-win situation. Yeah, that's right. I feel like <laughs> Uber is my DD anyway. Um, but right. New York kids, you kind of grow up knowing you can just hail a cab and you don't have to worry about that but I've never been you know I don't get that shit based <laughs> where did you grow up did you grow up in on the Upper, the upper East Side, side. Yeah. so you're born and raised Upper East Side like what streets are we talking um, 65th Street and then I moved downtown with an ex-primate and it just didn't feel like home <laughs> to me even though I downtown is obviously like more restaurants and more fun. I mean, we have plenty of restaurants here too. It's right. just a little bit of an older demographic, but I felt like something was missing and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I realized it was the park. Like Central Park is the lung of Manhattan. And it's not yeah. like I am frolicking and I'm not a jogger. I really hate exercise in general, but I like <laughs> knowing it's there. Let's put it that way. And then when I had my kids, I spent way more time there than I had since yeah. childhood. And I just... I don't know what I'd do without it. It's such a beautiful, especially right now, I feel like during quarantine, it's not just our lung. It's kind of the therapist of New York. And I'm sure. That respite from cabin fever. So I used to be a nanny when I first moved to New York City, and I worked for people in the West Village. I worked for people on the Upper East Side. I worked for people on the Upper West Side. And it's so interesting to see the difference between the families and how they grew up and their attitudes, how they speak to people, how they do different things. And the Upper East Side, and this is kind of what Odd Mom Out was about, is exactly how you described it. And I think that <laughs> not many people know that because they haven't lived it. Like, you've definitely lived it, and you breathe it every single day. But it really is exactly what it's like in Odd Mom Out. And do you Thank feel you. like still right now you stand out as an Odd Mom on the Upper East Side? Totally. I mean... I will say that I'm, I have one foot in and one foot out. I'm sort of an interloper. I mean, yes, I'm from here and I'm geograph geographically steeped in it. But, you know, when I was little, we were in a rental. It wasn't the same as some of my classmates in private school who had, you know, triplex penthouses and right. private jets. And I didn't have a country house. You know, I was by no means like with wolves at the door and I was very lucky. But I could see the difference between, you know, we didn't have a staff. Like, my yeah. mom was making my dinner. I didn't have, like, a chef. So we were privileged, but it wasn't that kind of excess. And when you referenced the way people speak to people, that's something that my parents just raised me with such values that you treat everybody the same. Yeah. And I would see behavior, not from my friends, but, you know, certain other people, friends of friends, tertiary level of Sure, sure. And I just was so shocked. I never, I never could believe how someone could mistreat a waiter or a nanny or anything like that. It was so distressing to me. And so I think my parents 
they led by example because they're such like kind, hardworking people, but they also would say, yeah, we don't speak to people the way that person just did that. You know, we just, we right. would never do that. So unfortunately, like the New York, the Upper East Side does get a bad rap sometimes because yeah. quote unquote fancy, but there's plenty of like awesome, normal people. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more of the odd mom just because a lot of people say, like, you see more Brooklyn or downtown to me, and, you know, it's sort of that road not taken in my life. I think they say it physically just because, like, I have a bunch of tattoos and I <laughs> wear yeah, some right, and right. things like that. But I don't know. I feel like, to me, I like quiet. I don't really want to hear, like, drunk people partying outside. I like that it's pin drop quiet up here um, as a mom. And I don't know. I, I definitely don't feel like... I completely gel with a lot of the values, but I right. still, I still wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Like I, I'm not moving or anything. Well, the family that I worked for, who I still dearly love, the mom is, she grew up super, she grew up in the Bronx and she married really rich and she's, she talks about it openly. She loves it. You might know her, Michelle Bergeron. She's an interior designer. I don't know anybody. Spruce. I literally, even before quarantine did not leave my house. Like I have five friends. I have five friends. That's a good thing. I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm very indoorsy. That's good. But the, the vibe from her growing up in the Bronx and kind of like finding her way. And then I would take the kids like she's so great. And then I take the kids to, you know, 88th and Park. And it's just a completely different vibe. And it's, it's interesting to see the different, different personalities up there, I guess you could say. This is going to sound so specific and ridiculous. But I live more in Midtown, like I'm close to Bloomingdale's. I call it sort of Dorito down under Roosevelt Island tram overpass. And I think that it's a little bit more commercial and less fancy. Like there's something about the 70s and 80s where that's more of the concentrated group. Um, right. That milieu, you definitely, if you're walking around that area, you bump into like 500 people you know. My yep. area is more anonymous and there's like hardware stores. So um, oh, that's that's where that's the place to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I feel pretty I, I isolated in a good way. That's good. You don't you have the like Upper East Side address, but you don't have to deal with like the actual Upper East exactly. Side. Exactly. Upper East Side. Um, so you created and wrote and starred in this amazing series on Bravo. What was your life like before Odd Mom Out? Did you well, all know you wanted to be a writer? And um, Well, when I was little, when I was, like, not even little, through high school and college, I just loved acting. I was always in plays. And um, when I took my last bow in college, I was sort of sad because I thought, like, well, this is, this is it. I'm never going to act again because I would never – I love to act, but I wouldn't want to be an actress. Like, okay. I thought, okay, I'd have to, like, blow casting directors and – have this life of like constantly scrounging for roles and also I'm a workaholic so I couldn't have a profession where actual work comes in such spurts like I really want to be busy all the time so I got yeah. a job in the magazine world and then eventually after a few years of that I was at MTV for a while so cool. I experienced a writer's room and I loved um just collaborating and cracking jokes with people and that was sort of forecasting Odd Mom Out, even though it was going to be, you know, 15 years later that, yeah. that actually started. But when I had babies, incidentally, by the way, MTV never called me again when I was showed up 
like six months no. pregnant with the job. Never called me again. My boss was like, whoa, you're pregnant? And I said, yeah, I'm six months pregnant. And they're like, wow. Like they couldn't handle it. And what's weird is they were all older than me. I was like 28 and they were 35, 36, and they couldn't deal with it. Like they just, I think they thought I wasn't edgy anymore or something. So kids, anyway. kids ruin your life. I think so. So anyway, I was freelance, so it's not like I could sue or whatever. I'm not litigious anyway. But after that, I didn't get any more calls. But I had when I had babies, I really just wanted to be alone. I think any moms listening understands, like, you're constantly pawed and with people. And, yep. and you just kind of want a couple hours to yourself. So when my daughter would nap, um, and then when I had my others, eventually I got help when I had my third. Um, I was writing books. So my life looked like basically a full-time mom who like shout out books in two or three hours of work a day. (laughs) And then um, that was my sort of alone time. And then now they're old. So I have three teenagers. And when, by the time Odd Mom Out happened, I really was back to a place where I craved the company. So I don't think I'll ever write a book again. I mean, maybe I will, but right now I just, I miss the TV world. I don't feel that I need to carve out that alone time to breathe. Like I get that whenever I want. Right. I mean, that's kind um, of great that they're older now and you can sit, sit in your bathrobe and no one's screaming right now. I really feel terrible for people. I know it's like hashtag blessed, but (laughs) I feel bad for young mothers right now. Like I had a really hard time without a pandemic. I had three kids under four. And I remember saying to my husband, like, I feel like I'm drowning in my life. Like, I just, I couldn't even breathe. Like, it was just so much work. And um, I didn't have a nanny until my until my third one. I mean, my mom was always here. but my, And I got, like, a patchwork of babysitters. But, like, it was a lot of work. And I felt really lonely during those years just because you're, you know, and I'm not somebody who's, like, talking baby talk. Like, I talk to my kids. <laughs> Like, you know, normal. Like normal humans. But by the end of the day, I just had no adult stimulation. Um, and my husband used to work really long hours too. So it was just a hard chapter, but you know, that was, I could take them to the park. I could take them to baby classes. Like I now there's so nothing they can do. That's right. So I really like, my heart goes out to all these women with toddlers and babies. And, you know, I can't imagine going through this time with like asses to wipe. I mean, I can't imagine being stuck. I, I'm in Ohio right now with my mom. So I flew New York City just in time because I did not want to get stuck in my apartment. Not, I'd be okay alone, but I was nervous my roommate was going to stay and that just wasn't going to work out if we had to be together for so long. Yeah, and you know what? You have this nice time with your mom that's so special. That honestly, I would never have, ever. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's kind of a blessing and obviously a major curse. You're spending a lot of time with your kids. You mentioned that something happened on Zoom. My son's class got hacked and there was a a porno, like a naked guy. Wait, I think that happened to a lot of people. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's so funny because everybody had said to me, like I I was joking about it on my Instagram. And then I was, my friend's like, you made that up, right? Like that was a joke. And I said, no, he had, there was like a dick and balls in his class. And she was like, her, her reaction was so, she doesn't have kids, so she was like, is he okay? Oh, my God. He said like, he was a victim, and I was like, 
are you kidding? They were laughing their asses off. Like, how are people getting into these Zooms? Um, you can hack them. And what's really awful is that after I'd posted it, somebody said a lot of Hebrew schools are getting neo-Nazis hacking it with, with swastikas. Oh, no. Isn't that crazy? It just... Yeah, people are nuts. I mean, if you're... Cl- my, as my son said, if you're a grown man, like, putting your dick and balls in a, in a little kid's classroom, like, you have no life. Truly, like, what kind of satisfaction is that giving you? Is that, like, getting you off? I'm confused. I think it's more mischief. I don't, I don't know if it's, like, sexually aroused. It's like a thrill. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. people are, There's all kinds of nut, nut bags. I mean, there. the internet's kind of crazy, especially now that everyone's on it. They're figuring out good ways and bad ways to use it. So yeah, exactly. now that's now happening. How did Odd Mom Out come to be? So you write this book, right, named Momzilla's. Yes, and um, that book sold to NBC right away. Um, Is that process hard? Do you have to, like, go to them immediately and hand them a book and say, help me? Or, like, how does that work? Um, I don't I do not do anything. The agency just does it. They send okay. it out. And then, honestly, Lexi, I was not even excited because all my books had sold and none of them were made. All of them were options. The first time it happened, we were like, woo, and bought champagne and we're so excited. It doesn't mean shit. I mean, you get like a couple thousand bucks, so you're happy for that. But like, it's not, they buy five times as many properties as they intend to make. So, I mean, I've had scripts, books, things just sitting in a vault. So then years later, um, I was meeting with Andy Cohen and we were talking about um, a reality show and stuff like that. And I kind of made it clear, like I wouldn't be into reality shows and I, I really am a writer and I said, you know, NBC owns my book, Momzilla's, can't you just take it? Because it's the same company. Right. And he explains, like, that's not how that works. But I, I wound up developing a show with his, he introduced me to Lara Spots, who was their head of production. And we developed it together. I mean, it's really crazy because so many people say, like, why Bravo? Because people think of them as reality shows. But right. really, Bravo is used to putting random people on TV. So I don't think it felt like that big of a weird thing to give. Like, I've been on Bravo and they, and it was very small stint, but like they will put anyone on TV. <laughs> That's right. So people said to me, well, like, whoa, you're 39 and you've never acted and you have a show. And um, that's really because they're used to doing that, I guess. But it was their first scripted comedy. So it was the wild, wild west. I had no one overseeing us. I mean, I, I can tell you, like, we did not get notes. We did not get notes. I so feel like just, season three, you we got, got to create your own empire, yeah, basically. That, that will never happen again in my career. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I get that kind of freedom again. But it doesn't look like it in the two years since. And any projects I've worked on, there's always so many notes. And that's part of the business. But we had no oversight. So Lara and I always joke, like, while no one was looking, we got to make 30 episodes of a show the way we wanted to. You know, I probably would have liked to curse, but you can't curse on TV. And then season (laughs) three, they said, like, take out like 30% of the Trump stuff because we just were so devastated. I'm sure. And um, we were in the writer's room during the election. People, everyone lived in either Brooklyn or LA. Oh, God. And I was Manhattan, but everyone was crying and... It was really dark. So 
a lot of it made its way into the show and they were like, eh, okay, take out 30%, which isn't, which isn't a hundred percent. You still got you know, 70. Yeah. It was pretty good. You have work to do in Ohio, Lexi, while you're there. It's terrifying. And listen, I'm not a political person, but I know what's right and wrong. And everyone in Ohio is wrong. I really feel like people maybe will wake up now and see what's happening. I don't know. At least I hope so. I hope so. And it's kind of crazy to just see. I I mean, I've lived in New York for almost 10 years and just coming here and seeing the bumper stickers and people at the grocery store with the hats on and like it's normal. I, I, the other day, and I try not to be rude and I try to let everyone have their own beliefs because, you know... That's the world. But I walked by this man in the grocery store and he had a pink Trump hat on. And he's like 70, like an older guy. Has a pink Trump hat on, 2020. He's wearing a mask. He just looks at me and smiles. And I just started cracking up. I was like, are you kidding? And I just kept walking. I was like, you, you have to be kidding me. That you freely wore a pink Trump hat. Pink. This old man. I'm like, you're asking for someone to laugh at you. I, I don't, I just feel like right now, you're right. It's not political beliefs it's right and wrong so it's a hundred percent i i i wish i was as mature as you are you know to say people can have their different beliefs i can't be friends with somebody who's a trump's i won't listen to the other side anymore because i just think they're not listening and it's i'm it's just so sickening to me so i just have no desire to even talk to those people well it's also so hard because i am from ohio so like it goes 50 50 believe it or not with my friends And it really cannot. What? Isn't Ohio like a battleground state? Mm -hmm. Right. That's why I'm saying maybe you can sway even one person. I'm trying, but it is hard, especially growing up here and the friends you come back to in New York is so different and it's so, it's so magical. And then you come back to Ohio and they're like, I love Trump. And I'm like, okay, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. And I'm stuck here. But anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, What should we talk about? Let's talk about, are you working on anything currently? Um, I was working on a pilot that's now not happening. So uh, That's like my production job that was supposed to start, and now I started a podcast instead. (laughs) Well, I think that's great. I think, actually, I really admire that because you're being productive. Um, It's really hard to be productive. I don't know if you and other creative friends of yours have had this pressure sort of on your shoulders, but it feels like, there was that meme going around, you know, saying Shakespeare wrote King Lear in quarantine. And that is something that like keeps haunting me. Cause I feel like there's a gun to my head. Like I'm supposed to. Wait, And you know what the weirdest thing is so many people sent me that because I started the podcast a and B me and Shakespeare share the same birthday. So oh, that's cool. everyone is always like when that first came out, everyone was shooting to me. I was like, shit, I need to do something. I'm, I'm getting hives. I need to create something. I can't just sit here. What the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. Birthday to share. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not writing a magnum opus. I, as I said, like Shakespeare did not have three kids asking what was for dinner. Right. So I tried to just kind of take that pressure off and just say like, look, don't try to be this perfect mother, be a surviving mother. And don't try to like shit out a masterpiece when the world is in flux. It's going to come to you when it comes to you. Um, so I have, a couple things lined up for fall, allegedly, but right now I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm trying Enjoying to read with your fam. I am. I mean, they're in Zoom school, so I'm still not 100% 
like I haven't really had a system of getting through this time of the day, which is why I was more than happy to talk to you. Um, I feel like the mornings are busy. I can get through that and they're all in school and we kind of generally have lunch together. And then really, I feel like between two and six feels long. So I just finished a book and I'm going to be, I, I have weirdly today, I have three things. So I have more Zooms after this and then a benefit like an online benefit thing later so I feel like today is a is a interesting it's at least more going on but typically I feel like I could be doing more in my afternoons yeah I mean this is like the best time to kind of collect yourself and figure out what you want to do and also I don't know spend time with like your kids are teenagers now so eventually they're probably not going to want to spend time with you as much they're really cool like we have I have you seem like a cool mom like I kind of want you to be my mom they're awesome I'm lucky I know I'm I have like the coolest kids and they are psyched to hang out and all that I wound up um sort of accidentally stumbling into this this character Danielle who I've been doing on Instagram who talks like this and wait you have a face mask how the hell did you get that so quickly my friend sent it to me it's so fun (laughs) So this same friend, Alexis, um, at the beginning of quarantine was like, you need to do something funny, like make me laugh kind of thing. So I kind of did it for her and then people were digging it. So I just kind of keep shitting them out. So that's one thing I'm doing, but it's only like a minute a day, but it's still something where I feel like I get dressed up in my ridiculous, like old soul cycle gear from before they were Republican fundraisers. And, and then I quit abruptly. Um, and so I just do these daily kvetches, which has been fun because I feel like at least it's something. It's also kind of showing people that you don't, everything doesn't have to be as big of a a production as they make it. I feel like, I think Twitter just announced that if they want to work from home and definitely they're allowed to or something because they realize that they're spending, I mean, New York city rent, like Google across street from my apartment in Chelsea is like this massive building and they don't even all need to be there really. Okay, I've been in there before. It's the coolest office. You don't have a desk, so you can go wherever you yeah. want. It's more like a giant hang. It's like a loft. And, and there's, there's like, like seven kitchen, cafeterias. Couches. Exactly. With free food. <laughs> free food. So I do feel like it's good for community, and there are upsides to being there. I think Twitter is going to find that some people want to come in. because I like I, to get I, up I and like know. go. And yeah. like have it's somewhere to be ready. Personality of the, some people probably thrive at home and other people thrive in an office, but they have shown there's more productivity now. I would I mean, be distracted with that kitchen there. I'll tell you that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So I'm trying, like when you introduce yourself to someone at a party yeah, and you say, hi, I'm Jill Cargman. And they say, what do you do for a living? What's your I response say, to that? I say, I'm a writer. And they say, what do you write? And I said, well, I used to write trashy novels and then essays. Um, and now I write for TV. And I say, what shows? Anything I've seen. And then I tell them about Odd Mom Out. I do feel like TV is so hard because you can be a working writer and not have anything made. Like the last two years I was doing scripts that just never went into production. So, you know, you don't have something to show for it. Whereas when, when I'm writing books, they only buy what they're going to put in a bookstore. So right. there's something more satisfying about that. Um, cause you know, you're going to hold it in your hand, but when the TV show goes, you do reach a broader audience. And I feel like it expanded my book sales and, um, just introduced me to new people. 
So it was good that I got to do that. And I know writing books is like a luxury and a privilege. I just don't feel like it's fulfilling to me right now. So I've been writing um, in quarantine. I wrote a couple essays. My last two books were essay collections, actually. And okay. I think non nonfiction is um, more my style now. I think when I was younger, I was kind of hiding behind the characters. And then it felt so freeing to just like say that it was me. Yeah. And the last one was called Sprinkle Glitter on My Grave. And it's about my family. It's a memoir, kind of like a gothic memoir about my family's really obsessed with death and my parents towards cemeteries the way that people tour colleges. And I really, really loved writing that book. And it's just so much of my family is in it. And it's, I think it's really funny. So I really felt like once I wrote Sometimes I Feel Like a Nut, which was the first essay collection, and then Sprinkle Glitter on My Grave, I felt like I could never go back to novels. It didn't feel as honest for me. Like the, the stuff that's clawing its way out of me is the nonfiction. So would you ever um, would you ever consider yourself an actress? Um, I think I am an actress. I just don't introduce myself as an actress because I don't know. Somehow it feels like I'm like I'm a faker. I don't know why. I feel like I'm really a writer first. That's what I was doing right out of college. I was writing for Vogue and um, and I worked at Harper's Bazaar and interview. And I I feel like I just had a magazine background. I was so used to saying I was a writer. Right. For so long that it feels like I'm an imposter to be like, I'm an actress. Also, the word actress just sounds like... It's also like, I mean, people, when I first moved to New York when I was 20 years old, they would tell me they're an actress, but they're working at the restaurant next door, which is, you gotta, you gotta kill it. To, you have to, like, run for your dreams. I get it. But it's like, it's such a cliche thing to say in New York is, like, I'm an actress. And, like, that's yeah, I never, it. I, it never would occur to me to say I'm an actress. No, well, when I, it, I used to model, and people would ask me what I did, and I hated saying I was a model. So then when I stopped modeling, I wouldn't say it. I would say, I would say, I would create some long thing and, like, talk around it. Then when I stopped modeling, I started saying, oh, I'm a former model. And it sounded so much better to me. I was like, oh, it sounds like I, like, graduated from modeling, and I'm moving on. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> so much better. Okay, so do you have any advice for somebody who... It wants to make it as a writer in New York City? I would say just keep writing because I didn't have, you know, I'm 45. There was no internet. <laughs> I mean, it right. makes me sound like the Crypt Keeper when <laughs> I was your age. Back in my day. There was no web. <laughs> um, no, I think that if, you know, the internet gives you such freedom to just share your thoughts and write and you can start a website and you can you know, start a newsletter, whatever it is, and get it out there. There's so many websites that you can write for that are looking for writers that, um, you know, you can build your clips in such an easier way. When I was doing right. it, we had to stand at this Kinko Xerox thing, our <laughs> clips from Vogue or whatever. Now you can just send links and you can have a, a million by a young age. So right. I feel like it's such a great big world with lots of opinions and you can just keep writing and get it out there. I mean, I'm sort of jealous that, like, I, I would have loved to have that platform um, right. when I was 20. But, um, you know, I found people who did. I strike little by little. I found people who had websites that I was like, can I write for you? And I would write for free, kind of on the side. I know, I always tell and everyone, I'm like, say yes, just do it. Who cares? Just do it. Ex that's exactly right. And you're very smart. That's great advice. Um, there's also new 
website um, called Creatively. I think it's an app that my friend Stacy started for people in media. It's an app for just all kinds of creative jobs. So if you're a writer or a graphic designer and whatever it is, I think it, I think it's like freelance. I'm not quite sure, but I, I remember there was a website Media Bistro. I think it's still there okay. where I got, I got a couple copywriting jobs, um, Media Bistro and Creatively I know is brand new, but it's worth trying. I also felt like to make ends meet, I was copywriting for an ad agency and a record company. Like there are copywriting jobs. It might not be your dream job, but it kept the lights on and I felt like it's I have a place to go. Yeah. Exactly. I always had a job. I never was. That's the other thing is even when people were like, what do you do? And I said, I'm a writer. I did have other jobs as a copywriter. So right. I, wrote, I worked for Ralph Lauren for two years for David Lauren writing their website. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, copywriting isn't what your main passion is, but you can say, you know, I have, I have this job as a copywriter, but I'm writing these articles on the side, but I couldn't have lived my life in New York, going to restaurants and having my life without the, the quote unquote day job. Like people would say to me all the time, like, Oh my God, I just saw your article in GQ or I saw your interview in Harper's Bazaar. But what they didn't know is those pay like $600. So like my main salary was coming from copywriting. Interesting. Good to know. Well, thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> my pleasure, Lexi. Thank you for having me and hang in there. I do truly think if you can even convert one or two people from the dark side, we'll have luck. Every vote really counts Listen, in Ohio. So if you have any ideas. I, if I were you, I would contact Swing Left because I've worked with them before. Okay. And they have activations for you. You can do, the, if you say, I'm in Ohio, I have these like three months here, they will give you exact protocol, whether it's writing letters for people's mailboxes or whatever it is. They, they have found that personal letters are just as effective as um, canvassing door to door. So I would do that if I were you. All right, thank you so much. My pleasure, have a great rest of Quar. You too. All right guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you get notification each week when a new episode comes out.